Thanks for tuning in. This is Pastor Julie Lewis from Asbury United Methodist Church in Smyrna, Delaware, where we share the love of God and the good news of Jesus Christ in all we do. Amen. So this morning, we are in the Gospel of Mark once again. And we are in chapter 4, verses 26 to 34. And Jesus also said, The kingdom of God is as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day, and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. The earth produces of itself first the stalk, then the head, then the full grain in the head. But when the grain is ripe, at once he goes in with his sickle because the harvest has come. And he also said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable will we use for it? It is like a mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it, but he did not speak to them except in parables, but he explained everything in private to his disciples, the word of God for the people of God. <clears throat> so I have a few riddles for you. I'll start with an easy one. What kind of room has no doors or windows? I heard it. Mushroom. What part of the chicken has the most feathers? The outside. Before Mount Everest was discovered, what was the tallest mountain in the world? Oh, come on. Mount Everest, it just wasn't discovered yet. <laughs> A little harder now. What am I? I have, no, I have cities but no houses. I have mountains but no trees. I have water but no fish. What am I? Thank you, a map. Poor people have it. Rich people need it. If you eat it, you'll die. What is it? Nothing. Now even harder. You see a boat filled with people. It has not sunk. But when you look again, you don't see a single person on the boat. Why? They're all married. I went into the woods and got it. I sat down to seek it and brought it home with me because I couldn't find it. What is it? If you're a Death in Paradise fan like me, you know the answer. It's a splinter. And then there's the world-famous riddle of the Sphinx. What has four legs in the morning, two in the afternoon, and three in the evening? Human beings, right? 
Remember, they crawl in the morning when they're young. They walk, when, and then they have a cane when they're older, right? Okay. Some of us like riddles because they make us think, and solving puzzles or riddles makes us feel somewhat smart. <laughs> Some of us just get plain old frustrated trying to figure them out. Our brains just aren't wired that way. I know there's been times when I felt pretty stupid when other people got it and I didn't, or sometimes for me it would be a delayed response, like days, weeks, sometimes even years later, I'll go, oh, I get it now. Tell me I'm not the only one who has that trouble with riddles sometimes. I will keep thinking about it, though, until I get it. Well, sort of. Well, we'll call it closure, until I understand. But to be clear, it really is the process, the working it all out in my head, that is the fun part for me, not just getting it right. But, you know, chewing on it until I really understand, being persistent in my quest to find the right answer and know how I got there. That's why that new math thing wouldn't work for me. I could never figure that out. So I think Jesus understands me and my approach is nothing new. There are lots of people like me, at least when Jesus walked the earth, because he often taught divine truths using parables or what we might call riddles. Well, actually they're more than riddles, but I think you know what I mean. Jesus tells a story, and then he leaves it to us to work it out. Scripture tells us he does it on purpose. Psalm 78.2 tells us that this will happen when Jesus comes, when it says, I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells us why. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive and hearing they do not listen nor do they understand. Now that may sound a little bit harsh like he doesn't actually want us to figure it out. Doesn't he want us to understand and believe to have eternal life and the blessings of grace and forgiveness? Well, the disciples ask him the same thing. Hey, Jesus, can't you just tell us what you mean instead of making us figure it out? Well, and of course, Jesus does want us all to get it, but maybe he knows we'll appreciate it more if we have to put some effort into it. Maybe for Jesus, it's about the journey to the answer as well. So I've also found out that for each stage of my particular faith journey, those parables take on different meanings. And that's one reason scripture is called a living word, very much like our seeds this morning, something whose meaning can grow and change throughout a lifetime. So today, think of these parables as seeds that Jesus is planting inside of you. Let's see what happens as we go along, and let's tackle the riddles of the universe together. So what does Jesus have to say to us this morning? Now, the parables we're digging into all have a farming motif, which is good for this area. Jesus is walking around rural Israel, and most of the people he is speaking to are farmers or have a deep connection to farming, so they will have a foundation for understanding these two stories. And since it's always a good idea to look at the passages on either side of the one you're looking at, 
we see that Jesus has just told the parable of the four soils, and it uses seeds too. You remember, seeds were sown on hard soil, and the birds ate them before they could even get in the ground. Seeds fell on rocky ground, and since the soil was shallow, there weren't any deep roots, and the plants withered and died. Then seeds fell among the thorns, and they grew, but the weeds choked the life out of them. And finally, the good soil, where the seeds grew a huge harvest. As Jesus then explains to his disciples, because they didn't get it, see, we're in good company. The seeds in this parable seem to be seeds of faith, and the soil is the human heart. Depending on what kind of soil your heart is made of, how ready it is to receive the word of God is how well that faith will grow, or not. So lots of seeds in this chapter. <laughs> what about our seeds and our stories today. Do they represent faith too? Well, yes and no, or in other language, sort of. Like his other parables, no definitive answer, but we can explore it. So there are clues. Well, Jesus begins these two parables with the kingdom of God is like, and with what can I compare the kingdom of God? So clue number one is that he is talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is another topic that can be really elusive in its meaning. It's here, but not yet. And what that means is that we do know the kingdom of God is, the, is in the world that all the believers live in. Yet once we put our faith in Christ, it becomes our home even while we live in this world. It does not have a place on any map. It lives in our hearts and connects all believers together as one, connects all of us to God. It's also known as the kingdom of heaven, where we believe all those people of faith who have left the earth now live with Jesus. So again, we are all connected as one in this mysterious kingdom of God. It's here now because we live in it now, but it won't be fully here until Christ comes again. Here, but not yet. Another riddle that takes on new meaning over our lives of faith. So the kingdom of God is as if. So a parable compares something difficult to understand with something maybe a little bit easier. It's as if someone would scatter seed on the ground and would sleep and rise night and day and the seed would sprout and grow. He does not know how. <clears throat> okay, well, there has to be some farmers here in the room. When you go to plant your crops, do you just scatter the seed on the ground? No, I don't think so. I know that in order to give it the best chance to grow, you need to not just scatter it, but actually plant it. Fertilize it, water it to make it grow, and don't forget the weeding so they have optimal access to the nutrients and water. But this guy just scatters them, and then he takes a nap. He then goes about his business, not worrying about anything until he sees the harvest is ready, and then just goes out to get the good stuff. Ever work with someone like that? They hardly do any work at all, just sitting around. But when it's time to get paid, they're the first in line, right? None of that seems very fair. What kind of place is this kingdom of God anyway if all that's required is to take a nap, shirk responsibilities, and still get all the good stuff? Hmm. Or 
Maybe that's not how you're reading it. Maybe you see it as he really is doing what God has asked him to do. He scatters the seed and then sits back and waits, ready with all the necessary equipment to get the prize. Kind of like an investment plan where you put the money in and then you wait until retirement and begin to reap the rewards. You didn't have to know how the stocks did on any particular day. You just had to have faith that in the end, the money was going to be there and grow. See what I mean? More than one way to think about these parables. But since Jesus is not really talking about paychecks and retirement plans, what does this have to do with the kingdom of God and really for our life of faith in the here and now? Well, we have to combine it with the second one before we can answer that. Now here, the kingdom of God is not like scattering seeds, but it actually is a seed itself, specifically the mustard seed, which Jesus says is the smallest seed. Now, you can get them in the spice aisle. They're really tiny. However, it's not the smallest one that I know of. If you've ever eaten an everything bagel, you'll know, you might agree that the poppy seeds are smaller than mustard seeds. But accuracy, I don't think, was the point. He says that what was the smallest grew into the biggest. It's about expectations. The seeds for the tall and prominent trees, symbols of kings and power, were not small. Seen acorns? They're big, right? You expected great things from those seeds. No one expected great things from a seed as small as a mustard seed. You expected weeds which was exactly what a mustard plant was to all those farmers that Jesus is talking to. They were invasive and could kill their precious crops. They were not desirable plants. And now Jesus is saying that those weeds could grow so big, they would be a haven for birds. Now, for us animal and especially bird lovers. This is a serene image, right? And we've seen images that people have painted of it all. Look at those cute little birds. Here, birdie, birdie. But for those farmers listening to Jesus, it would have been a nightmare. Birds destroy crops too. That's why God invented scarecrows, to keep the birds away. So now what are we supposed to think about this invasive, destructive kingdom of God that attracts the undesirables? Hmm. Well, the first thing I believe is Jesus wants us to understand that the kingdom of God surprises us, that we really can't nail it down and it's we can't know what to expect. But he also wants us to know that no matter what we do or don't do, we, what we understand or don't understand, the kingdom of God is going to grow anyway. We won't even know how. It will, without any proper farming techniques, invade the world that we live in. But we can have faith. Remember, faith is believing in what we cannot see. That God is working in the world all the time, night and day, and with or without us, this kingdom will grow. And here's where it's important to back up to that parable about the four soils, to remember that the soil of our hearts is the starting place. Seeds of faith are scattered or planted in many ways over our lifetime. We can have 
all four soils at different times in our lives. But hopefully, we can and will prepare the soil of our hearts through prayer and study, through reading God's word, through worship, to be a place where our faith can grow. You know, that good soil. The kingdom of God grows in our hearts as our faith grows, which means in turn it is growing in the world, invasively destroying who we are, helping us to die to ourselves and the world around us until we are more like the image of God planted within us at our conception. And once we have become fertile soil and faith has taken root, we become those sowers of seeds. In the church, we call it evangelism, a $20 word for sharing the love of God with other human beings. We, use, we used to think that it meant taking Bibles out in the streets and telling people about Jesus, kind of like that other group that comes calling at your door sometimes. We have now come to believe that sowing seeds of faith comes in so many different ways. People see the gospel in how we live our lives and in how we love. Sometimes that seed can be planted when you say something nice, do a good deed for a stranger, move over when someone needs a seat, write a note of encouragement, and sometimes we scatter those seeds without even knowing it, responding to someone's cry for help just being in church every Sunday, volunteering to drive people to their appointments or smiling at someone who needs to know that someone sees them. We don't even know what will be that seed that starts someone on their journey to their life of faith. And that's the point. Each human interaction, each word spoken, each act of kindness or love can be that seed, that invasive weed that will grow into faith in someone's life. We may not ever even know it at all. We may pray for someone every day of our lives as we watch them make terrible choices, one right after another, letting them know though that we love them anyway and that we won't give up on them. And even when nothing seems to change, this is where the he does not know how part comes in. No matter how many seeds we scatter or plant in love, all we can do is have faith that the kingdom of God will grow anyway, even when we can't see it. Our only job as people of faith is to scatter and plant seeds and then sit back and have confidence so much confidence that we, like Jesus and this guy in this parable, can take a nap knowing that in the end, grace will prevail and love will win. But then there's the weeds and the birds part. God's kingdom is for all people. And really, I hate to tell you, but we're in essence all weeds and birds. <laughs> Yet we often think that once we have faith, that somehow we're better than those who don't. Every story in the Bible about God's kingdom is about inviting the least, the last, the lost, eating and hanging out with sinners and not just the holy and righteous. He came to save the sinners and we often forget that's us. The healthy don't need a doctor. Those seeds, those acts of love and mercy are to be scattered everywhere, but especially among those who the world sees as the most lost. What this parable tells us is that when we have faith, 
We have the secrets to the kingdom of God, the very keys to heaven itself. God, through the Spirit, reveals those hidden truths to those who believe in him. It's a precious gift that's for everyone, and it's meant to be given away. And we will never know when or where those seeds of faith will take root. That's God's lane. We can stay out of his lane and just do what we are called to do, plant seeds through love. We tell the story of God's love in Jesus, and we tell it through words, through our acts of love, through our relationships, standing up for the least, the last, and the lost, and through how we choose to live our lives. Then we should just expect that it will grow like weeds in the heart of those who receive it. Then the kingdom of God will be a mighty plant as it grows so big that it becomes a home to all. See every life as the potential to be holy ground. Holy ground, just waiting for seeds of faith. Let every action and interaction be sown in the love of God so that the kingdom will grow in your heart and in the heart of those you see every day. Be loving and don't worry about what happens next or how anyone responds to you or your acts of love. Just tell the story of Jesus, of his grace and mercy, how his love took root in your heart and changed everything. Use words if you have to. Reveal that story in what you say and do with your life. Then be confident that God is the one who can make that small seed of faith take root. Keep sowing, keep planting, keep loving, keep telling the story. Let the kingdom surprise you. And let faith overtake the world. Amen. Won't you pray with me? Holy God, we just thank you for those seeds of faith that someone planted in our heart. And Lord, we just know that you are the master gardener that will help our faith grow day by day. Help us to be faithful in scattering those seeds through our acts of love and kindness. Let us be the instruments of those seeds that will help that kingdom of God 